guest today on the panel. I'm joined by Mark D'Amico. What's going on, Mark? <laughs> Not a whole lot, man. Just waiting for this thing to get started down in Orlando, man. We're all waiting and yearning for basketball, so hopefully it comes around soon. I know, man. It's been for two and a half months, going on three months. I'm going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we all are. Crazy. How you been having this on pandemic we've been in? Some crazy times yeah. right now. No, it's been crazy. I mean, just um, I travel full-time with the Celtics team, so, right. you know, it's been quite a change for me because, you know, usually I'm flying in and out of town and working six, seven days a week and uh, crazy hours and getting home at weird hours. And now for the last, you know, three or so months, it's kind of been, you know, switching straight into a nine-to-five job uh, working. Uh, we've been trying to, you know, re-strategize how we can keep the Celtics relevant when they're not playing any basketball. This is the first time we've really had to do this. We usually have, uh, you know, a pretty concrete plan that we rotate every summer. Right. Um, right. So when they're not playing during the summer, we've got, you know, kind of some um, some tentpole um, objects such as, you know, summer league and dancers tryouts and the draft and, you know, all of right. these things that kind of get us through the summer. But, you know, how do you right. get through three months of, of no no basketball in the middle of when the season's supposed to be going on? So it's been, uh, been quite a change, but we figured it out, I like to think. Now we're just waiting for the games to come back. Definitely, yeah. This is a lot of sports media content. Everyone's throwing up old games and highlights. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. We say hopefully we're about to get started soon. So you um you've been covering the Celtics for for eleven years. That's a yep. long time. Yeah, no, it's been eleven plus years. I started in um, the late late March two thousand nine. Right. So you were there for the 2008 championship. You came right in time, right on time, didn't you? <laughs> no, I, I came a season after, so I missed yeah, I'm the sorry. ring. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. I missed the ring, and then um, my my first full season with the team, 09-10, right. I got to the finals, gained seven of the finals, and lost in the final six minutes. So I came in a year late, and then I missed it by six or seven minutes of, of, of the fourth quarter of game seven in 2010. Maybe I'm the problem <laughs> in Boston. They need to get me out of there to win again. <laughs> Yeah, that was my mistake. Yeah, you feel you're late. You're late. Um, what do you, what do you think about the 2008 championship? You think they're way to another one? When you have Danny Ainge, he's a master making moves. <laughs> yeah, no, Trader Danny, man, it, it it really all started back in '07 when he made those trades for for Kevin Garnett and got the okay from him, and then right. was able to get Ray Allen too. And you know, when you combine all those guys with him, people forget that he, he had to make a move to get Rajon Rondo too, because Rondo right. wasn't, wasn't coming to Boston without without a trade for that pick too. So right. um, it started then, and he's carried it through. And I, you know, working for the team back in 2013 when the trades happened, um, and, and and KG and Pierce and Jason Terry and those guys went down to Brooklyn. Um, right. I thought I was in a rebuild for the long haul. You know, I thought I would have right. to watch a losing team for the next five, six, seven years because that's usually how long it takes for an NBA team to rebuild. Right. But there's something about Danny Ainge and, and his staff and the way they strategize, and it's just like they can see the future. <laughs> it's crazy to say, but if, if you right. look at all of the trades that, that he and that group have made over the last, like, seven years, I would say, right. I mean, right. a high percentage of them are like, how did they see that coming? I mean, you think about Jason Tatum. A lot of people <laughs> like Jason Tatum uh, right. in the draft a couple of years ago, but no one thought that he was going to be by far at this point, you know, the best player in that draft right now. Um, and mm-hmm. he was chosen third. So, you know, it's just, it's just like they can, they can see the future and they somehow got this, this ship turned around 
um, in only a couple seasons. And now it's kind of, you know, it got into a team that was, you know, consistently competitive uh, for right. a few years. And now we're looking at a team that consistently can, can compete for a title, depending on, you know, all of the ebbs and flows of an, of an NBA season. But, you know, this, this I, I think this team's got a shot this year if this group gets back together um, at, at full staff um, down in Orlando. Yeah, Danny Ainge is good. As you said, he's good at um, picking players. One player that you guys picked up that I was able to cover a team in the training camp was Carson Edwards. Mm-hmm. I think he 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 is he's good on on offensive end. He's like he can pass at any moment. I mean, I was covering him before he left the NBA. I could see it. I could see it coming. Honestly, yeah. The way, and, the know, way he the way, the way he sees the floor. I'm sorry. The way he sees the floor no. and everything. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And um, one thing that you know, our front office has said about him both publicly and privately to me is you, you're not really seeing full fledged Carson Edwards this season, right? He's been up in Maine playing for the Red Claws, the Celtics G league team uh, for the majority of the season, but the Celtics have seen behind closed doors what that kid can do. Um, And that's on top of what he did last season, uh, you know, in the NCAA tournament and during his, his last year in college, but right. they know that this kid has some serious, serious potential. And if you look at the track record of the Celtics over the past five, six, seven years, they don't really lie and fib much about, you know, thinking that a player is going to be pretty good and then turning right. out to be, you know, not very good. Usually they turn out to be what they say they're going to be. Um, right. So when I'm hearing these guys talk about Carson Edwards as a guy who has a ton of potential and they can see it on a daily basis in practices, it just hasn't right. been kind of unlocked out on the NBA floor yet. When he right. gets minutes, I expect that over the next three or so seasons, he's going to find a role, be it in Boston or somewhere else, and he's going to be able to show show everyone uh, that he is an NBA player and, and he's here to stay. Yeah, like I said, I was able to witness it for a week in um in in <laughs> in Colorado. He boy's good, man. <laughs> I mean, he he went nuts during a preseason game. I think he made seven threes in Cleveland, um, right. and he was he was awesome during summer league. So we've seen the flashes since he got yeah. drafted last summer. Right. Uh, but you know, he he's just not in a position on this team to be able to get those extended minutes and really show the world what he can do. But he'll get it in the long run. I mean, there's been plenty of players who have you know come through the NBA, and in particular with the Celtics that I've followed through my years right. that. You know, Avery Bradley comes to mind. He started out and he had to grind his way through at that time the D League, and then eventually he replaces Ray Allen in the playoffs <laughs> and, and breaks up the big three. Really, so um, you know these these guys. You know, everyone's got to start somewhere, and some guys is in a tougher place than others. What's your thought on the, the big three topic? I mean, a lot of people say LeBron started it, started it, but those big three LeBron, LeBron did not go. The Celtics the, started, yeah. It. Right, and, yeah. and really, you know, it's we all know that this is this goes back to the '80s. Um, but you know, in modern times, there's no doubt that the Celtics started it because when the Celtics made that trade for Kevin Garnett and they yeah. got Ray Allen and they got Rajon Rondo, people learned what Rajon Rondo could be in the long run and the right. perfect point guard for that group, along with Paul Pierce and Kendrick Perkins. You know, right. that was the first team that we had seen in. I mean, I don't know how many years, but it's a decent chunk of years, like maybe a decade, that had yeah. a true, like, three bona fide Hall of Famers on the team. I mean, you even look at the, you know, when you look at the Lakers, like they had two, right? Yeah. The Lakers dynasty with Shaq and Kobe, it was two. Um, right. You look at the Pistons when they won, they didn't have three, like, 
you know, top 20 players, you know, 20, 30 players in the history of the game. They just didn't have that. Um, The Celtics had that. And then after, you know, they made that move, then I think, I think they caused LeBron James to go form a big three because he knew that he could not beat the Celtics without having a big three. Um, So he had to go down to Miami and team up, team up with Bosch and Wade. And that was the only way he was going to break through the Celtics. And even in 2012, when the Celtics are, you know, a year away from breaking up and breaking down, the Celtics still took him to game seven in the conference finals. So, um, yeah, I I think it was the Celtics in the modern times that got back to the big three, uh, turned this into, you know, another rendition of a big three era. And then LeBron, you know, I'm not not at all saying that he's a follower, but I'm saying that the, the Celtics set the tone when they created that big three, and he just knew that he wasn't going to get through them without doing that himself. Yeah. Yeah, and then the Warriors took it to a whole other level. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, big five? Like, come on, crazy. unreal. It wasn't even fair. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Kevin Durant, bro, always <laughs> the best player in the world when he's healthy. I thought 2017 was his coming out party when he made a show of LeBron James. I think he, yeah. did, it on, I think he did it on purpose. He saw LeBron backpedaling, backpedaling. He stepped into him, made him come up, and just pulled. He knew he yeah, I mean, left in hand. Crazy. He doesn't right. have any fear, right? Like that. He he knows that he's probably. I I don't even know if it's probably, but maybe unquestionably the best scorer in the game in the world. Right. So you know right. he's he's not scared of the moment. He he's gonna do what he's got to do. And as you said, he he kind of felt the moment at that time and yeah. pulled up, drained it got the MVP, and, you know, now his story has been, you know, rewritten, having winning a couple championships, a couple of finals MVP awards. So, um, yeah. great player, and, uh, you know, hopefully he just uh, isn't able to lead Brooklyn past the Celtics in the next few years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to see soon. So, you grew up a Knicks fan? I did grow up a Knicks fan, yeah. I mean, I'm actually um, back home in upstate New York with my family right now, Okay. And walking through the house, I've seen, you know, a bunch of stuff that just made me throw back to the old days when I was, like, bleeding blue and blue and orange. Uh, right. You know, there's, like, blankets all over the house that are nicks. There's hats and, you know, all the stuff <laughs> around the house that I'm like, now yeah. that needs to change into Celtic stuff. But, no, I, I grew up in upstate New York, and, like, right in that time when, you know, the Knicks were, you know, they, they weren't the laughing stock, laughing stock that they are now. You know, right. the early 90s, mid-90s, late 90s, they were a good franchise that was always competing right. um, when they had Starks and Patrick Ewing, and then it moved on to Allen Houston and uh, Latrell yeah. Sprewell and Chris Childs and those guys. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I loved them growing up. I tell everyone, you know, my, my best example of how much I loved them was, you know, how back in, like, middle school, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, it's the first time that you're having school dances. That's like right. the first time you can go out and like go talk to girls and maybe dance to dance to some music out on the floor. Right. Everyone wants to go to those, but I used to skip those because the Celt- because the Knicks were playing games right. <laughs> because I needed to be home to watch their games, so I skipped the dances. Yeah, location is everything. They may be like a laughing stock, but they're still the most valuable franchise. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, at some point, I don't know if they're going to turn it around. Um, you know, while James Dolan is is leading the yeah. franchise. You know, it's just I think it's the optics of the franchise. Players, I just don't know if they look at the Knicks and say, that's a franchise that I want to play for because they're run the right way. They, you know, yeah. they have, um, you know, the right um, 
system in place in terms of right. chemistry and you know how you're supposed to treat your players and treat your staff and whatnot. I just don't right. know, and I'm not saying this upon fact. I haven't heard players say this, but right. they're not getting any premier free agents uh, recently. So I have to think that those players um, are are thinking I need to go somewhere else to be able to get those things. So right. I don't know. We'll see in the next you know 10 to 20 years what happens if they're able to bring in some big fish, but. For now, they're not there yet. Yeah, they're going to be doing trades for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, it seems like what they've been doing for 20 years, really. Just a constant turnover with coaches and players. Yeah, and I think with Spike Lee, and now we're doing this whole thing, the, handling the social, the social injustice. Yeah, they're not doing right themselves now. any favors. That's for right. sure. Definitely. Yes, Adam Silver's positioning the NBA to return. I guess to shout out to Adam Silver. I see that like every episode because he's doing a flung job handling the situation. And these black players know they have by June 24th to let, the, let their teams know that they're going to play in Orlando or not. I think this, I said that this, the, the winner of the championship should have an asterisk. But I think this might be open the door because if, if certain players don't go to Orlando and their team is shorthanded, and we all know they could have beat a team without a certain player or with a certain player, that mm-hmm. might be an absolute situation back up. That might really make it a legitimate conversation. Yeah, I, I think there's there's going to be an asterisk no matter what because this is different, right? Like this is unique. This has never happened before where the season stopped for four months and then restarted. Right, so there's right, always true. going to be an asterisk just because of that. Now, if, if something happens like what you're talking about, like say, for instance, you know, I'll use an example because I work for them, but if the Celtics go on to win the title and Giannis for some reason um, comes down with COVID and isn't able to play and then LeBron right. James decides not to go to Orlando and right. the Celtics beat the Lakers, then, like, obviously there's the reason they won was because they had an easier pass. Right. But my instinct tells me that – the reason NBA players got to where they are is because they're competitive. The right. nature inside their bodies, inside their minds, has always pushed them to work harder, to work faster, and to get ahead of everyone else. Right. Are they really going to just not compete when the NBA has given them the option to do so and finish the season? I don't believe that's going to happen. Maybe there are some people that are – uh, maybe end of bench guys that might sh- yeah. might not show up there, but I think that yeah. the very high majority of players, especially key players, right. are going to wind up going down there. There's a lot of money at stake, and yes. you know my my personal opinion is that they're going to have a, a better platform playing to be able to continue to make change um, with social injustice than they would without. Yeah, playing. yeah, there's going to be so many people too. They're making run commercials. They're going to have people speaking. They're going to have a lot of attention on them when they come back. You're right. A lot of attention. Yeah, and I think it's going to be on the players and on the league to not let the games overshadow the social injustice. Like, they're going to have to work hard at that because, you know, I saw a tweet the other day, and I can't remember exactly who it was from, but um, they said, you know, a couple lines about, um, you know, know, if a player does a a pregame, um, appearance on TV and, and they speak about social injustice and then right. the players are wearing warm-ups that, you know, say, I can't breathe or something like that. That's right. great. But then right when the game starts and LeBron James dunks, that's what people are going to be thinking about. Right. And that's to an extent that's true. But I think 
if the NBA does does things the smart way and the intelligent way and the um, the innovative way, which they've always been able to innovate, I think that they can work reminders into games um, that social injustice still exists. So I think yeah. there's a way. I think they just got to figure it out. Yeah. I, um, everyone has their own opinion on this, but I think it would be good if the NBA does return because it will take everyone's attention away from the bad things going on. But like you said, if they keep the focus on the social injustice and don't let it get overshadowed by the NBA's return, everything will work out fine. I mean, they, they have That's how I feel. Yeah, like Kyrie doesn't want to doesn't want to resume the season, but he was going to play. He was going to play anyway. He's already getting paid. There's a lot of yeah, players, and, there's a lot of players not getting paid. Yeah, and let me say this about Kyrie. I I know him personally, uh, obviously because he spent a couple of years in Boston, and you know I I think highly of him as right. a person who thinks outside the box. Right. right? I I think that he was he wasn't scheduling these calls, and I don't know this because I haven't talked to him about it, but. Right. I don't think he was scheduling these calls to tell players don't play. I think he was scheduling these calls to make players think outside the box like he does and to try to say, hey, is this the right decision? Just let's hit the brakes. Let's stop for a second. Let's think this through. Is this the right decision? Or do we have, you know, another way um, without games that we can make a bigger impact? So I, I think he's getting a lot of flack. Uh, just because his name is attached to this, and obviously everyone wants games to come back, and yeah. you know maybe he's slowing that process up by having these these calls and organizing all of these things. Right. But I personally think that he is just doing this to to make sure that he and his counterparts on other teams are taking it slow, right. thinking things through, and trying to think of all angles. And in, in the end, if they all decide that playing is the best way, he's going to yeah. support it. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that he's doing what he feels is the right thing and making sure everyone really thinks things through rather than r- rushing back. Yeah, and it's obviously directed Adam Silver to make that announcement and give him players a couple of weeks to let everybody know if they want to play or not. So yep. if he's going to give them the option, they're not going to get penalized. But yep. they're going to get penalized exactly. financially. But Yep. There's, I mean, if they don't play, they're not getting paid. So, you know, there's a lot of stake uh, for – Every one of those players, every one of their the players' families, and right, you know, it could wind up being that that then those players can't make as much of an impact um, in social injustice over the next you know three or four months. So you know, we'll see how it winds up, but my fingers are crossed, and you know, hopefully yeah. things turn out well, and we get a very good turnout down in Orlando and get this thing started back up. Yeah, I believe it will because it have massive impacts on the CV if they don't play. It's a lot of money at stake. That's the biggest job in chapter. Yep. <laughs> Players out of play. Definitely. Money always matters. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, so this, um, Disneyland, or Disney World is a location. What do you feel about the location uh, for the for the resumption of the season? Because they were made it clear that if you're there to play basketball, there will be no rides allowed. You're there. You're stuck there. Basically, you're not on vacation. It doesn't yep. work. You know, playing yeah. basketball is not a job, but it's their job. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, uh, you know, what what Adam Silver said last night yeah. uh, on ESPN, that this isn't for everyone, um, it's true. Like, this is not for everyone. Not, not everyone wants to be isolated from their families and not be able to do anything 
for right. up to three and a half months except yeah. to play basketball. Like, none of these guys have ever been in this situation ever before in their lives. Hopefully they never are again. Um, but, I mean, e- even for me, you know, there, there, there's potential that I could wind up be, being down there, and I I don't know if I would want to go. Like, it, it's a tough situation, you know. Like, anyone who's got a pet or a child or a wife yes. or a kid, you know, any of these yes. things, it's tough to leave those things for that long. Um, and so, you know, again, this is this is not for everyone. Uh, anyone who does go there, and I'm talking about anyone from the NBA league level to referees to players right. to people who are, you know, running the stats and information to the scoreboards, um, right. all the electronics to the game entertainment, all of these people are going to make be making gigantic sacrifices in their personal lives to be able to get this thing back underway. Um, so, you know, props to every person who does it because uh, it's, it's not going to be easy. Uh, but, you know, still, it, it's the only way to get this back going. Uh, and, and really, in my mind, it's the only place in the country that the NBA would be able to do this since the very beginning. I've, I've had Orlando over Vegas or anywhere else. Cause yeah. You take a look at what's going on in Vegas right now. They're yeah. right back to where they were before COVID-19. And pe- people are going and filling up those casinos and hotels and pool parties and all that stuff. And yeah. you wouldn't be able to create a bubble there. You can create a bubble at Disney. Um, and that's why I think that's the right place to do this. Yeah. Like you said, the players are go and fast, as you said, everyone's going to have that in the back of the mind that you could get COVID. I mean, that's yep. what you're going to be going to take. And it's going to be for who really wants it. So we're going to see. And it's going to be really interesting to what players decide not to play. Yeah, and I will say this about the the risk of of catching COVID. I personally, and, and again, this isn't based off of anybody else's input. This is just my personal belief is that there's no safer place that NBA players and potentially their families could go other than this bubble. Like, if they stay at right. home and they wind up going out to the grocery store or whatever, right. you know, getting in an Uber – going out and playing basketball on, on a court outside, anything that they do at home puts right. them at risk. In my opinion, when they're going to be in this bubble, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a bubble, right? So right. they're, they're going to try to keep it out and not let it in. And, and, and if someone does test positive, um, there's going to be probably a lockdown um, to, to make right. sure that that person is treated the right way. They're going to, they're going to contact trace to figure out who that person was in contact with to make sure no one right. else catches it, and uh, I, I, all of these reasons just make me think that it's the safest place for right. players and their families potentially to be um, if this winds up happening. Definitely, and there will, and there will be constant testing for it like every other day, so they're yep. going to be on top. Be on top of it. Exactly. Of it. I think it's a go, honestly. It's just a matter of exact date when. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, everyone – Everyone views the world differently, so yeah, you know yeah. it's going to be a player by player decision um, and a family by family decision at that right. at that fact. Um, and you know, ho- hopefully, like I said earlier, we get a, a, a very high percentage um, of players from these 22 teams going down there, and we make it happen. And it, it's kind of like the you know the season never stops. Right. And we all know you can't please everyone. No matter what decision is made, someone's not going to be happy about it. They play, someone's going to be mad. 
they don't play, someone's going to be mad. So that's a great point. Great point. There's like, no matter what the NBA decided to do, exactly. they're going to make everyone happy. I, I think. Just, I just think this is the best option of them all. I believe. It. I believe it is too. Before the hiatus, the Celtics were rolling. They were in third place. <laughs> yep. Behind Toronto was a surprise team in the East. I had them mm-hmm. throwing off the court left, but uh, Seattle coming on late. They got it together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're rolling. They're rolling. Can you talk about the um, impact Kemba Walker made? He he came right in and probably spotted this. Did he have good chemistry with the team? He just fit right in like a glove. He really did. Um, and the only thing that's held him back from playing at an even higher level is his knee's been barking all season, which hopefully, right. you know, when they get back and they start this back up again, hopefully that'll subside and, and kind of be gone. But right. you're right. He did fit in like a glove. And I think <clears throat> it's just the way <clears throat> it's just the way he is. Like right. he, he gets along with everyone that he meets because he's such a great, vibrant personality in person. Right. Um, and it's the same way when you put him on the court. You know, in in Charlotte, I think a lot of people viewed his game as maybe kind of ball hoggy. Um, yeah. You know, he takes 20-something shots a game. But guess what? When he was on that team, he had to do that because they didn't have the firepower that the Celtics do. Right. In Boston, I mean, he does not care how many shots he takes a game. He then after games when he wins into the locker room, right. and he is so damn happy. It's it's like he's never experienced a win before. That's how happy he is every time. And it doesn't matter if he scores zero points or if he scores 45. He's just right. enjoying the run and being around a team that, that's able to compete. Right. Um, and so, yeah, no, he's been great, great um, integrating himself into this team, and he's been a great fit uh, for these guys around him. And, you know, if, if he is back healthy when this thing gets started back up, the Celtics, man, they, they got four guys, five guys that can really take over stretches of game. So it'll be interesting to see see how they how they do when this gets going. Yes, and that is one positive to this um, work stoppage for the NBA. A lot of teams got healthy without even trying to get healthy because one of the Sixers were banged up. They, like you said, Kendall was banged up. LeBron was banged up. Even he was playing mm-hmm. that many, a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, every everybody got healthy. Now it's just a matter of them staying healthy. Yes. Yes, and these playoffs, these playoffs come about. It's going to be one of the most competitive playoffs we've seen in a while. Yeah, it was going to be healthy. It's going to be crazy, <laughs> and it's just going to be straight basketball, like mono, yes. mono. It doesn't matter, um, you know. Well, actually, not that it doesn't matter. It's not going to exist that either team is going to have an advantage of, you know, right. one team coming from a hotel and one team coming from their home bed or fans right. in the crowd, like, it's literally just going to be basketball, just like it was when everyone was growing up and playing out right. on the playground. It, that's how it's going to be with the best players in the world. Right. They were trying to come up with ways to reward the teams that had the higher seeds already. But once the game starts, there's no there's no home court advantage. There's exactly. no crowd noise. It's going to be you and your team. It's going to be more and more. I'm interested to see that because a lot of teams feed off a home crowd. Even the Lakers do. They have LeBron, but... I mean, even they need a push when they get down. It's going to be Big crazy. time. It's and you know be... what? I personally think that <clears throat> not having crowds <laughs> is going to mostly – or it's going to impact role players the most. Uh, if you look back in, you know, postseasons in the past, there's a guy. And I remember back in the day when Nate Robinson was on the Celtics and Doc Rivers was the coach, he told Nate Robinson, you're going to win us a playoff game. 
Right. And he knew that. And Nate Robinson and, and many other role players have done it. They ride the crowd. Role players ride the crowd. They make shots that they don't typically make because the crowd is behind them. Without that crowd, I'm not sure that those players are going to do that at as high as a level as maybe they have or, or would have in the past if, if a crowd was there. So I think it's going to affect role players. Um, and that's one reason why I do think the Celtics are in a good place because they don't have a ton of role players. They've got five or six guys who are their top guys, and all of them could start on right. almost any team in the NBA. So right. uh, I, I think they're in pretty good shape to run a seven, eight-man rotation and, and try to ride this thing as far as they can go. Right. I definitely agree with you about the role players because there's no picking up. And they, 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 they're all missing a shot. The coach takes them out. They're done. Like, yep. They haven't been, they're not going to want to get back in the game. Exactly. It's the playoffs. They're, they're, they're not going to want that pressure. Yep. Yeah, you're right. I definitely agree with you about that. <laughs> I definitely. One player on the subject, um, everyone loves, Taco Paul. Two-way, two-way player. Yeah. Why do you think they love him so much? <laughs> I mean, you know, number number one, obviously he's seven foot six, so he's just right. he's a bird of a different feather. You don't see many guys like that. But right. number two, like, he is just – I talked about Kemba being a great person. Taco yeah. is the exact – same way i mean he if not even more taco understands that he is seven foot six he acknowledges it and if he's walking down the street and he could be up in portland maine or he could be in boston or wherever he is and if a couple of kids come up and want to take a picture with him or him to sign an autograph he's going to do it he he really cares about the people that care about him um he he I wouldn't say he necessarily enjoys the spotlight, but he likes to be able to put smiles on people's faces because of who he is. Right. Um, and, and I don't think that's ever going to change. Um, he's intelligent. Um, he's kind. He's warm-hearted. Um, right. And that, that's, to me, why people love him so much. It would be one thing if he was just seven foot six, and right. I'm sure the crowd would still cheer for him. <clears throat> Excuse me. But knowing he is who he is um, and how, how, how kind – and, and nice to everyone that he meets, he is. Uh, I think that gets the crowds behind him even more. Yeah, I was going to cover him his last year at college. Um, when he played Tech University, he became in town. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Watching him. Once he got in the paint, I knew what it was. It was over. Like, no one could guard him. It yeah. Like it. <laughs> I mean, a point guard can get into the paint and literally just throw the ball up. <laughs> like, yeah. he's going to catch it and dunk, and he doesn't have to jump to dunk it. It's, it's insane. And, if he, I mean, I know that um, the Celtics think that he's he's developed pretty rapidly this season, being under you know NBA and G League coaching staff, um, and you know he could have a future in the league. And I tell you, if if 17 players are allowed to be active for postseason games, which I don't I don't know for sure if that's going to happen, but if they are, right, right. he's going to get into some playoff games purely um, for the situation that's at hand. He's going to be a yeah. situational player. I yeah. could see, you know, a final second inbound pass where he, he's right. the defender at the basket or he's defending the inbounder so that the inbounder right. has to throw it over him. But I right. could definitely see that happening if if all 17 players are allowed to be available. Right. We all know you inbound the ball, you throw it too high, that's all the tender needs. That's a step. Exactly. They're still going all the way. Yep. Game over. Or hey, that's what happened with uh, the most famous call in, in basketball history. Havlicek stole the ball. 
That's, yeah. that's exactly what happened. They threw it over the top, and he picked it off and took it the other way, and the Celtics wound up winning the title. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Brad Stevens took over in 2013. Nothing but positive results since then. Lee took the team to the playoffs in 2015. All-star game coach. I love Brad Stevens. He is one of the best players, I'm sorry, one of the best coaches in the league. Yeah, and you can combine that. He is one of the best player coaches. Um, he, you know, back back in the day, um, you know, a, a lot of these these coaches were, you know, running three-hour practices and, and they're uh, having shoot-arounds on the second day of back-to-backs and right. practicing every Saturday and Sunday. Brad Stevens is not that guy. He has always been – um, a guy who wants to be efficient uh, more so than spend hours and hours on the court. So right. if he has a practice, it's going to be an hour, hour, 10 minutes long. Get your work in, get out, and get off your feet. <clears throat> um, he doesn't have shoot around on the second day of back-to-back. He, he wants his players to have their families travel uh, right. for road trips so that they can be together. Uh, right. But these are the things that he has always emphasized since, since the day he got into the NBA – and I know for a fact that that sticks out to players um, when, when they either think about coming to Boston or right. when they get to Boston or even when they leave Boston. Like, I guarantee you, a guy like Isaiah Thomas, he loved his time in Boston more so than yeah. he would have um, right. if Brad Stevens wasn't there. Yeah, man, the Celtics are set up. To, they're positioning themselves. So they have positioned themselves to be a factor in the East for, for a while to come. No doubt. With, with his own core, Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge, that's a recipe for success. <laughs> they got a lot of pieces, that's for sure. Definitely. Oh, Mark, thank you for joining me, man. It was a great conversation with you. We definitely do this again. Yeah, definitely. no problem, John, man. I appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of fun. And like I said at the start, let's get back to basketball. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Great talking to you. Be safe. Talk to you soon. All right. You too, John. Take care. Yes, that was Mark, and I'm a cook. Also, tell reporter. Thanks for joining me. Catch you next time.